This is On the Nose with Joey Erringman. Son, there's no wrong way to consume alcohol. Sports was denied. Hey, Banglon. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of On the Nose. I'm your host, as always, Joey Erringman. And with me today is, uh, we'll go with the man, the myth, the lawyer, Stephen Hercheck. What is up, Joey? So we are, we, ha- we, have a, we have a fun episode. And surprisingly enough, so usually we, I go around and I make sure everybody has a whiskey for the week. Um, but it turns out Stephen and I both have a bottle of this because it is absolutely delicious. And I always need to have a bottle of this on my shelf. We are drinking Redbreast today. Redbreast 12. It's so good. I actually showed Joey. And he was like, oh, I'm putting away what I had. I want that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a different whiskey in mind. But when he pulled out that red breast, I'm like, oh, I got to do red breast. Yep, it's so good. So happy with it. It actually reminded me um, that I could be drinking this whenever I'm drinking anything else. And I wonder why I drink other whiskeys. Yeah, (laughs) It's, it's so light and crisp on the nose. Plus, it takes me back to when we went to the Middleton Distillery. Have we not done a Redbreast episode yet? I don't think we have. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing that. I have another uh, super fun idea, like a surprise kind of idea. And okay. then I want to do a Redbreast episode too. Awesome. I'm pumped about it. But I got to, I'm going to need to go in for a taste of this as well. I, I just had some the other night too. And I this bottle is going to be gone very mm-hmm. quickly. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's so light. That creamy pot still. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and the Red Breast 12 cask strength is another amazing one. That one will knock your socks off. It is. It blows my mind, that bottle. Yeah, 100% agree. So the regular Red Breast 12 comes in at 40% ABV. The cask strength... Um, ranges uh, a little bit but i think it's usually around the 56 percent mark um on the bottle it says a rich mix of dried fruit and spice with toasted oak and sherry undertones beautiful yes it is so all right well while we sip on our red breast we're gonna jump into today's episode we where blah, wow that was kind of a tongue twister where we out, were- joey <laughs> where we will be talking about whiskey hobbies and the different whiskey hobbies and kind of what comes along with those whiskey hobbies. Besides, so, of course, just whiskey being a hobby already. Right, <laughs> just right. Just enjoying yeah. it. There's there's more to it. You can get more more into it. One, Yeah, exactly. One of the main hobbies is just drinking it, period. But <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more that you can do with it. So that's what we're going to be getting into. And the first one we're going to be talking about is collecting whiskey. Now, there's kind of two sides to the collection of whiskey. You've got, like, the hoarders that usually try to flip the bottles for prices or to just have that. um, They just want a giant wall covered in every variety of whiskey there is. And not only every variety, but multiple kinds of uh, the same bottle, too, just as kind of to have that staple that they have that bottle and others don't. Yeah, it they yeah they look like it looks like an episode of hoarders like they're organized but like whoa, what do you yeah 
Yeah. Your wife. Okay. (laughs) There's some people that I know from the Columbus, Ohio area that will have 10 bottles of Weller Antique 107 and it's a, it's a little Why? bit different. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> a little bit harder to find that bottle here in Columbus, which, okay. But like, you're I not, have two bottles of 107 myself. I don't need more than two bottles. Like, you're not going to go through 10 before you find your next bottle. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing that kind of concerns me is, okay, so why do you have 10 bottles? Are you trying to flip those bottles? Because I think the bottles go for about 45 to 50 bucks a bottle right now. Mm-hmm. But like you on regular secondary? market, no, 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 uh, primary market is that what it is? Secondary uh, MSRP. market, MSRP. There we go. Yep. Uh, secondary market is I think like in the hundreds sometimes. I could see that then. Yeah. So that's that's one big frustration that we have in the collection of um, unopened bottles and the storage of them and all that kind of stuff. Now I will say I am a whiskey bottle collector. Um, there are quite a few that I have that I just haven't opened because they hold memories for me. So example that I always turn to is that Kilbegan 21. You remember us drinking that one? Oh, yeah. It's so, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's, I had, it's hard to part with some bottles. I think it was two. Yes, yes. That's a good way to put it. I think it was two years before I finally opened that bottle. And mm-hmm. that was because I picked that bottle up on our first trip to Ireland and it was distilled in 1993. Like, that's why that bottle was so special to me. So we opened it when we were planning our second Ireland trip. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I just finished that bottle on my birthday this year. Yep, I remember that. That was a delicious bottle. That was mm-hmm. a thank you for sharing kind of bottle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think. There's a couple others that I have. Uh, I, got, I have a bottle of Weller 12. That one. I don't see myself opening for a long time because one, it was tough to get. And I had to go all the way to France to get a bottle of bourbon. (laughs) A thing you didn't expect to do, but like no one's surprised that you did. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that was (laughs) like that bottle. I'm going to hold on to that bottle because it's memories for me. It's an enjoyment factor for it. Um, But yeah, so there's a difference between hoarding bottles and then hanging on to bottles because of what they mean to you. So, well, even with the, like the hoarders and me going, you know, I don't really understand what you're doing there. I still, you know, do what you want. Whiskey makes people happy in different ways. I don't, I'm not actually judging that much. I'm just like, Oh, I don't understand what you're doing, but you know what? Collect your bottles. God, life is short. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fair way to put it. And for me, I, I love sharing my whiskey, dude. Like, mm. I, I, I'll drink my red bush, my red bush by myself at home, just kind of sipping on something. But if I have people over, that's when I'm opening up a new bottle, pulling something out that we can all try and all that kind of stuff because that's just more fun. Yep, I'm the same way. For me, whiskey um, is for drinking. That's why it's hard for me to have more than. I think my peak is like seven bottles is the most I can have at once. Because once I have seven bottles, I'm like not craving a new bottle of whiskey because I know I got a bunch at home waiting for me. So yeah, you just led it right into kind of the second big point is the people who buy a bottle and then drink that bottle before they buy their next bottle. Um, my my example I was going to share was with Dick Neal, but hey, you're, you're the primary example of uh, that seven or eight bottle collection. You know, when I was visiting Dick Neal in Germany, he had 
I think he had like seven bottles of whiskey, but they were so good. They were all just delicious. He had the mm-hmm. Stag Junior. He had like the the Writer's Tears Redhead, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like a West Cork one that I can't find here in the States anywhere. Like he had all of these amazing bottles and it was, just, it was a great collection. I, I didn't know he had a solid collect. I knew you told me he was into whiskey, but I didn't realize he had such a solid collection. Yeah, he had, like, like I said, it was like seven or eight bottles, but I was impressed with every single bottle he had on the shelf there. Why? We need to have him on the show, and he can talk about freaking whiskey in Germany. They, that Actually, you know what? There's a, there's an episode idea. I don't yeah. know why I didn't come up with that on my own. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either till just now. <laughs> and we've known he was in there with whiskey for a long time now. Oh yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with his collection, but yeah, just like you, you know, a few bottles, solid collection. Like you're going to enjoy them constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I do. Yep. Every time. And it's hard. Cause I just, uh, put up a bunch of shelves and I'm like, sweet, I'm going to fill them up with whiskey. <laughs> and I'm just not, I'm not filling them up there. <laughs> it's, there's less on them now. Cause I love drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. So yeah, that kind of covers the collection of whiskey. So now we're going to jump into whiskey infinity bottles. Now, if you haven't heard of infinity bottles before, this is when a whiskey enthusiast or somebody who just wants to have fun takes an empty bottle and pretty much blends their own whiskey together. Yeah, yeah. you have six different whiskeys. They represent different elements in the universe. You put them all together and it just it snaps just perfectly into place to bring balance. To the universe. Is that Captain Planet? No, that's <laughs> Infinity Stones, bruh. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. I don't know why I didn't pick up on that. There are definitely going to be people listening how going, Joy, <laughs> what, how did you miss that? That was the first thing I thought of, Captain Planet. <laughs> they have that's rings a, or something? I don't know wow, what they do. That was a while back. That was a while back. All right. That one. God, I'm a huge uh, Marvel Joey, fan, come, too. Coming in right with over Captain my Planet references. I know. We know your wow. favorite superhero is Captain Planet. <laughs> Everybody knows that about Joey. <laughs> oh, all right. So Infinity Bottles, obviously it's in the name. So the idea behind the Infinity Bottle is you're kind of blending your own whiskey, uh, adding whatever whiskey that you think is good to your bottle. And it essentially never ends, but is always changing. Because you drink a little here and there add a little more of different whiskeys that you get, and you have a never-ending bottle of whiskey that is always changing. Now, you've done one of these, haven't you? Yes. So I did the... My, mine was purely Irish whiskey. Okay. So, well, why'd you choose to do that? Because, well, Irish is my favorite style of whiskey. Okay. I love Irish whiskey, yeah. So I went with an Irish-style um, Infinity bottle, and almost every... And there is Redbreast 12 in it, obviously. Almost every... Um, bottle of Irish whiskey that I've had has gone into um, this infinity bottle, save for a few specific whiskeys that I didn't want to overpower, which I'll talk about here in a second. But you can do this with scotches, bourbons, ryes, Japanese, like whatever you want. Heck, you can do it with every single bottle of whiskey that you buy, but you could end up overpowering it some too. Now, I think I know what you mean by that, but what do you mean by that? (laughs) The overpowering. So, yeah. So, like, 
I'm trying to think. So, okay, with my Irish whiskey uh, infinity bottle, I'm not going to put in a Connemara peated. That peatedness is that very strong, smoky, kind of earthy flavor. And if you add in a little bit of a peated whiskey, that is going to overpower the entire bottle. So, like, you're going to get that peatiness throughout the bottle. And if that's not a flavor profile you're looking for, it's going to be really tough to get rid of um, just by blending other whiskeys. Like once you add that flavor profile, it's not going away very easily. Also with uh, rise, um, if you're creating like a bourbon infinity bottle and you add a heavily rye whiskey to it, like a heavy, heavy rye bourbon, um, then you're going to get a lot of spice on the bourbon infinity bottle that you might not have wanted. Now, if you're going for a peated infinity bottle or a rye infinity bottle, then yeah, throw that stuff in there. If you like a little bit of spice, yeah, throw it in there. But it's, it's the, it's mainly the rye and the peat that just overpowers uh, an infinity bottle. If you're not looking for that flavor profile. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. That's what I was thinking you were talking about. And the thing is with a, an Irish whiskey, the flavors are more subtle. They don't have really strong flavors in them. That way you can, in, in my opinion, you can parse out a lot more variety because one flavor isn't overpowering the rest of it. Like in a, a peated scotch, you're going to get a lot of peat and that's the first thing that you're going to taste and you got to get past the peat before you can pick out the other flavors. I don't think Irish whiskeys are like that generally. Unpeated Irish whiskeys are Correct. all about the subtlety and the creaminess. Yep. And that's why any peated Irish whiskey that I know of says very clearly that it's peated on it, not to throw anybody <laughs> off. <laughs> I never thought about it. That's true. Because like the Connemara peated is the only one that I can think of that's really peated. And it's got peated in the name of it. It's called the Connemara peated. Wow. I'm starting to say peated so much that it's starting to sound weird. Great. <laughs> The other flavor profile that I've seen that kind of can overpower sometimes is the sherried whiskeys. So whether it's finished or aged in like an Oloroso sherry cask, mm -hmm. that usually comes forward quite a bit as well, but not as much as the uh, rise and the peats. I was just thinking how fun it would be to do um, sherry finishes with peated. So that you could get all that fruitiness oh. to balance out the the peat, the peat hmm. smoky, fruity and yeah, smoky. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I would want to try and find whatever Pedro Jimenez and um, Oloroso sherry finishes I could with the the fruitiness to go along with probably mild peated peated whiskeys. Yeah, I think that would yeah. be a cool one. Anyway, I'm just spitballing here. Do we have a new topic? <laughs> yeah, now that yeah. I'm sidetracked. So, um. Yeah, so just if you're doing infinity bottles, keep in mind of the overpowering flavors. If you're going for an overpowering flavor, then by all means, go for it. It's whatever you want to do. You can literally put whatever you want into your infinity bottle. It's just make sure you don't put in something that you don't like. Oh, also, I feel like this would go against a lot of people's thoughts about uh, whiskeys. Like, why would you just mix them all together? You're ruining whiskeys. But honestly, that's what uh, master blenders do. They take different whiskeys, different flavors out of the different barrels, and they blend oh, yeah. it to find their flavor. You're just doing the same thing. 100%. Like Richard the Nose Patterson, which we, we've talked about him on the podcast a few times. Yeah, we refuse to stop talking about him. Right, yeah. <laughs> but he has like a freaking lab where he just blends different whiskeys together until he finds the flavor profile that he likes. Mm -hmm. A lot of his whiskeys are not single malts. Mm -hmm. So... 
And again, I'm not saying pour a whole bottle into your infinity bottle. It's like, I think I've got like one ounce of every Irish whiskey that I've ever had in the infinity bottle. So it's like the last pour. Yeah. It's like the whole bottles for you. And then except for one half pour. Yep. Which goes in the infinity. Exactly. So, all right. The third hobby we have is aging. Which yeah, we one, got a lot of old whiskey drinkers. They just we do, yeah, sitting there on a bench drinking whiskey, just aging. Mm-hmm. And just watching them is a is a blast. Like I love watching <laughs> old people drink whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, now I got I'm, my I, creepy side out of that. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of, a lot of aging lately, actually. Yeah, I can feel it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, so aging whiskey is a, another cool hobby picked up by whiskey enthusiasts, and it's typically done from obtaining a small uh, barrel of their own. It's usually like about a two liter size barrel, um, and I've tried a couple different things in the barrel that I have, um, but yeah, it's it's cool because you can take this small barrel, and since it's smaller, there there's more, I'm trying to make sure I say this right, more of the whiskey touches the barrel than in a large barrel that's aged by a professional distillery. Yes. Okay. So it ages a lot faster in the smaller barrels, which kind of give you, you, you don't have to wait four or five years to get the flavor profile that you would get from a big barrel. So, um, wait, can you describe the barrel that you're talking about real quick? Cause it's not just, um, it's not just a, a plain old barrel. Like it's prepared for aging right yeah yeah so it's it's toasted um they on a normal like large barrel in a distillery they char the inside of it and there's a whole like tier system on how a barrel's charred and i don't know much about that side of it but actually it'd probably be a pretty cool episode to get into but we've got like four new ideas already (laughs) i know i know (laughs) they've got um like each barrel is prepared through a charring method um, one of the things I will point out is, and this happened with my barrel too, but when they char the barrels, one thing that they don't do sometimes, which kind of surprises me on these smaller barrels is they don't char the bottom or the tops of the barrels, like the lids of it. Mm. So when you go to age it, you have like that, that raw oak, like touching the whiskey that can take the whiskey so far very quickly (laughs) isn't that that's tannins right it adds tannins or the little oaky particles that it pulls from the wood isn't that right i i think so again i don't know a whole lot about tannins i only know that i can pick it out on a very dry red wine but because that's that sticky mouth feel to it that's pretty good I think <laughs> is knowing that much about tannins. One day we're going to know, we're going to understand and master tannins. It's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Not today. Not today. But um, yeah, so that, that, that is one thing to be cautious about on aging your own whiskey is if you do buy a barrel, it may or may not, like if it's got the entire thing charred on the inside, great. Like you'll have a great time aging it. But if the bottom and tops are not charred, you want to be tasting that pretty frequently. Like I would say at least once every two weeks so that it doesn't take it too far. When I did my first um, aging, I used a, it was an OYO white whiskey. So it's not really a whiskey at that point because it hasn't aged yet, but it was basically their white distillate. And I put it in after six months, I tasted it. 
delicious. Like it was. I remember. Great. It was great. It was super cool. Seven months. I tasted it again. Horrible oak bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, I remember it, that too. Yeah. In one month, it had gone from amazing to nobody's ever going to drink this ever. Actually, you know what? That's kind of gives me some respect for the for the distillers or what are they? So we got distillers and blenders. Who are the people monitoring the aging process? I think it's the blenders because the distillers are responsible for the the production of the distillate. Okay. So they're the ones that are responsible up until it goes into the barrels. The blenders are the ones who periodically pull and taste and then say, oh, these barrels are going to go together for this flavor profile that I'm looking for. Okay. Well, so, anyway, newfound respect for them based on that, because if you miss time, the aging you lose of the whole barrel. Whiskeys, yeah, it would go like, who knows, a whole rack, like 20 high could yeah. go. Who knows? Yeah, yeah so. you could leave it in there slightly too long. And it was, you had to throw out that whiskey, didn't you? Or did you drink um, all that oak bomb? I, I put it in the mixed drinks so that I didn't get as much of the oak bomb on it. <laughs> you I still drink it. All, I didn't want to waste all that whiskey. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, these um, are very smoky drinks. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then I put in, I think after that, it was the Olorosa Sherry that I used to um try and flavor the barrel after that because i i had the uh oio white dog in it pulled that out put olorosa sherry in it for a month just to try and get some different flavors in it pulled that out sherry was then terrible after that so that one did go down the sink because i was not drinking and nobody else was going to drink it so yeah i put the olorosa sherry in it for about a month pulled it out it was terrible we're gonna do a whole (laughs) nother episode on because uh, I gave you the 16-day Bushmills. So what I put into it after the Olorosa Sherry was a, was a Bushmills original. Okay. So you have the Olorosa that I pulled out of it and the 16-day Bushmills, right? I sure do. Okay. I have not I have not tried them yet. I've been waiting for oh, really? a, okay. an occasion. So then I have um, the final product, which I aged the Bushmills a full 36 days. Okay. Pulled that out, and that's like... When I tasted this, I'm like, this has the right amount of sherry and oak that I want in it anymore. And it's going to be like way too far. I'm not saying it's like absolutely amazing. Like I've definitely had better whiskey, but if I let it sit any longer, it was going to go way too far. Okay. So, I mean, I'm excited. You know how much I love an Oloroso sherry finish. Right, right. So I'll get you this 36 day bottle and uh, then we'll do a whole episode on uh, the aging. So that'll be cool. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I ended with. I haven't put anything new into the Bushmills or into the, the barrel yet. Um, but the other cool thing about aging with these smaller barrels is put them in very diverse climates. So if you put if you put like a whiskey in your barrel and then put your barrel like in your garage, that 20 degree fluctuation between night and day is going to make that barrel age even faster. Mm hmm. Like one of the guys that I was talking to about these uh, uh, barrels that you can age is he, I think he said he had like four two liter barrels that he fills with just different whiskeys, sticks them in his garage and just periodically tastes them. And he says he can taste the changes 
almost weekly sometimes based on the fluctuation in temperatures and humidity. Hmm. Yeah, because it's like breathing because it's um, yes. shrinking and expanding, that sort of thing. Yeah. In and out, in and out of the uh, the wood. Yep. So that, yeah, I've only got the one barrel right now and I've done a couple things with it, but I'll probably have another barrel or two uh, soon oh, periodically. Look at that. Time for another pour of red breast. Delightful. Um, so let's see, where was that? Oh, yeah. So another thing that I've seen people do, and Stephen, I don't know if you've heard anybody, but heard about anybody doing this, but there's a lot of talk on some of the um, kind of Facebook discussion pages about people creating barrel aged old fashions. Yes, I think we tried one, guys, when we were at an event, didn't we? Didn't he bring that? Or was he the one just talking about it? I think he was talking about it. I don't remember Mm. trying a barrel-aged old-fashioned. That might be my next go-to, but they created an old-fashioned recipe and put it in the barrel. I've definitely tried that. I don't know where, but a barrel-aged old-fashioned, I've definitely tried. Well, I need to because I haven't. (laughs) It's cool. It does exactly what you think it would do. You get an old-fashioned and, like, the whole thing, like... It's it kind of rounds it out, like because okay. it it injects the the barrel kind of flavor into all of it. I don't know. And plus, the uh, the cocktail gets a t- like a chance to like settle together. Mm-hmm. I think that's just in my head, maybe, but I yeah. don't know if you can taste that. But <laughs> that's what it well, seemed like. It was it was really good and really uh, solid. Like the the flavors melded even more. Yeah. So yeah, that actually might be something I try in the future because that does sound cool. And I've I've read a lot of um, just actually Facebook posts. I've seen, I've read a couple articles on it too, but um, a lot of it's just Facebook posts of people saying, Hey, I tried this, did these steps and it came out amazing. So hmm. that, that's what a lot of this is. It's just trial and error. And once in a while you get a success out of it. So, but do, yeah, if you're, if you're looking into doing one of these uh, personal barrel agings, do some research on it because there's a lot of discussion on it. People love to talk about it, like whether they have failures or successes, they love talking about all the different things that they try and whether it's worth trying or not. So before you just jump in without really knowing what works and what doesn't do some research on it. Plus it's cool just to kind of see what people have tried. I don't know if I would have ever thought about doing an old fashioned in a barrel. It's super cool. All of this, the barrel aging stuff, I think, is the coolest to me. The because you know what it is, it's just um, being a distillery at home. Just any things that you can replicate at home are super cool, and those are the easiest parts to do. Yeah, you can definitely do distilling at home as well. We haven't gotten that far yet. No, because if you do it wrong, you might die. Yeah, well, yeah, we'd probably have to. We'd have to. I think what we would do is um, just like sniff it and be like wow that looks great and then send a bottle to danny and be like danny i don't know like what you gotta do with it feed it to some mice maybe i don't know (laughs) just to figure out if this is deadly i don't know what kind of lab you work in but i assume you can do this (laughs) probably got like some kind of science o meter that can tell us whether we can drink it or not right the science o meter yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that's every instrument is basically that to me Mm -hmm. thermometers and then um science o meters and that's it yep there's only two (laughs) 
and I'm engaged to a biochemist, so that's fun. Yeah, he should um, be able to handle it too. I, I don't think I don't think he's going to listen to this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell him we talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Those are the three hobbies that uh, we highlight today. There's a ton of other hobbies out there. One that Stephen talked about right before we got on the show today was uh, even visiting distilleries. When we were in Ireland, we were there for, what, a week and hit three different distilleries and spent, what was it? We probably spent like four hours at each distillery. Oh, yeah. Time well spent, too. We would have we stayed longer if we could yes. have. But, yeah. like, we didn't want to be, like, awkward lingering people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were for a little bit on a couple yeah. of them. <laughs> Like the Dingle Distillery, we weren't awkward, but we no, 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 we did. Well, th- he was about it. He was like, "These are yeah. drinking buddies. Like people can tell. Like you don't work at a distillery because you don't like hanging out drinking right. whiskey." He was, yeah. Dingle was so much fun to be at because it was so small at the time. They had only put out their third batch of whiskey ever, so they uh-huh. were in this like tin shed with one. Are small- they not still? I think they are still in that tin shed, but they have yeah. a small whiskey room that's gorgeous. And how many people were on our tour? Was it like eight people or something like that? Uh, it might have been no, because it was it was us four, and there were weren't there three other groups of two that were from different countries. Like each yeah. one was from a different oh country, no, it was like. one from South Africa, and the other was from like Norway. I think there were only two groups of two. Well, regardless, oh, okay. however many people there were, they all left. We stayed and just drank with our uh, tour guide, which was awesome. He was so yeah, much he fun. Yeah, he kept pulling out random stuff for us to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then on the complete flip side of that, we went to the Middleton Distillery that produces Jameson. And they have – we had to freaking take a go – or not a go-kart, a golf cart around <laughs> the distillery because it was so freaking big. I got so turned around when he was – I think about that now, like – how did we get so turned around? Like, cause he took like three or four turns. Yeah. Uh, we think... were like outdoor. I would have thought they were just rows. Like, I don't know how. No. It was elaborate. Dude, wasn't there a stoplight at that distillery? <laughs> I don't I know. think there was. <laughs> oh, between, between the different sections of it, like yeah. between the, the distilling part of it and then like the offices and stuff. I'm pretty sure because it was very cold and rainy during that tour. And I remember thinking, we are sitting at a stoplight on like a distillery campus and there's nobody else around. (laughs) We also went to the wrong end and we had to talk to like some security guard or something, or maybe we called them. I don't know. And then, and then we had to get back in our car and drive like 10 minutes to the other end. Yeah. Yeah. That was get in. (laughs) I was crazy. Cause then when we got in our golf cart, he took us. That's oh, that's when he was taking us through all the Rick houses. They're like yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was acres upon acres of Rick houses. Like I have no concept of how big this place was. No, I have, it was just I massive. Have no idea. That's all I know. I remember I got cold, and I'm like, "How are we still driving?" Yeah. How? <laughs> like, because because we knew we were going to a tasting at one of the Rick houses, mm-hmm. and we're just packing. We're passing Rick house after Rick house after Rick house. I'm like, dude, literally stop at any one of these. I'm sure it has whiskey in it. <laughs> no, I'm glad he stopped at the one he did because yeah. that barrel was so good. Yeah, it, it was like I look back and I'm like, like, obviously, it's like a marketing ploy and that kind of thing to kind of get people in. Oh, yeah. and give them a special uh, 
um, give them a special kind of experience. But oh, dude, it was so worth it. Like it worked. I, I would <laughs> I would do that again in a heartbeat. It was so much if they, fun. If they fooled us and most of those were empty and basically we took the scenic route and went around and around for no reason. Yeah. And then went to a barrel that was like lined with plastic and actually full of um stuff that they had already selected and poured into there and then gave it to us <laughs> and i would be just as happy it was delightful yeah <laughs> it, was, it was such a cool experience um so yeah we went to one of the smallest distilleries and we went to one of the biggest distilleries in ireland and you know it was it was both were extremely cool and then we went to the old Kilbeg and distillery too that was awesome mm-hmm. like it's very cool yeah you can't very cool I would say visiting distilleries is is my favorite uh, whiskey hobby. Other that's than that's, that's it, right? the peak for me. Yeah. Other than drinking it, well, you know, no, no, no. no? I think I would oh. prefer visiting. Every time I go to drink uh, whiskey, I would prefer to be doing a distillery tour and drinking it there. Fair enough. Okay, I can get on board with that. Yep. So again, and there's plenty other whiskey hobbies out there, but those were just a few that we wanted to highlight. And uh, yeah. Go start your hey, own whiskey hobby. Yeah, if you guys uh, have any that we forgot to forgot to mention, send us some links. Send us some. Send us an email or whatever. DM us. Let us know. Drop because we want to do it. Yeah, slide on in there. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that that wraps up today's episode. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, Stephen. Thank you for being on today's episode. Thanks for having me. Thanks for drinking whiskey with me. Oh, always, dude. Um, once again, follow. Uh, on Erringman's Pub at Erringman's Pub on Instagram. I really need to type this out so I don't keep stumbling over myself. Have you been drinking? A little bit. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) At Erringman's Pub on Instagram. Um, This is on the nose. And as always, best whiskey is shared with friends, even during COVID-19 on a uh, virtual platform. Slauncha. Slauncha. Thanks, everyone. This is On the Nose with Joey Erringman. Son... There's no wrong way to consume alcohol.